morning. Is my, am I audible? Yeah. Good. I just want to start off with uh, the words from an old hymn. I'll just read them out. Jesus, the very thought of thee with sweetness fills my breast, but sweeter far thy face to see and in thy presence rest. Nor voice can sing, nor heart can frame, nor can the memory find a sweeter sound than thy blessed name, O Savior of mankind. O hope of every contrite heart, O joy of all the meek, to those who fall, how kind thou art, how good to those who seek. But those who find thee find a bliss, nor tongue nor pen can show the love of Jesus what it is. None but his loved ones know. I just wanted to start with that. It just felt like it really fit into what I have to share today. We are on our second week in a series of the saints of Jesus Christ on the cross. Uh, Kevin started our pastor last week with uh, the saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Probably the most famous, I imagine, of the sayings of Jesus on the cross. And uh, he was after his his position as great high priest between God and us. Father, forgive them. Uh, And this week, we are going to go on to a different saying, as we've just had read by Jean. Thank you, Jean. And Jesus speaks to his mother and to the disciple whom Jesus loved. Uh, We believe, and I'm certain that that was John. John refers throughout the Gospel of John uh, to the disciple whom Jesus loved. And at the end, he says, this is the one who writes this letter. So uh, I just want to put that in there. So I'm going to just refer to John uh, where we talk about this part. Okay. So we're going to have, uh, well, we've, we've just had the reading done, but I would just like us to have a look again. It's only a short reading, so if you've got your Bibles, if you want to turn them on or open them up, we're going to go to John 19, again, verse 25 to 27. I meant to put my uh, stopwatch on, so I'm just going to do that, because I don't want to go over two hours, really, and help there. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Well, the cross... (laughs) was a very, very, very cruel implement of death, designed uh, possibly before the Romans, but really uh, maximized by the Romans. Well, it was used for slaves, criminals, scum. wasn't used for Roman citizens, wasn't used for people of position. It was used to, to make an example of people who were thieving or you know, uh, rebelling, doing things against uh, the law. And it was not used for nice people. So when Jesus was put on the cross, it was like um, 
when you wear a cross around your neck, it's kind of like wearing um, like um, an electric chair around your neck. It's not a nice thing. We look at it now as a nice thing, don't we? But actually, it's a terrible, horrible thing. <laughs> and it's killed through asphyxiation and exhaustion. So that's suffocation and just weariness. So Jesus had his hands. Kevin talked about this last week. I just want to make a point again that he had his hands nailed through, his feet nailed through probably near the ankles, and to breathe he'd have to pull himself up. So you can imagine speaking be very, very difficult. And it bears, I think, maybe each time we come over the next few weeks to, to this, that what he says is so poignant because he really has to make the effort to say things. He doesn't speak a lot on the cross. There are seven sayings and they're all short. And they're all very, very important. And the reason I said that poem at the beginning was to say, look, you know, this is the one that we're talking about. Why do we, why do we talk about Jesus at church? Why do we come? Why do we sing the songs? Why? Because we've come to know that he is more than just a, a story. He's more than just a person of history. He is the living God. And he wants to know you and love you. And he wants you to know him. He's wonderful. And... And so that's why we're focusing in. So let's focus in on this one. I've called uh, this sermon Family at the Cross. We're all part of a family in one way or another, or have been. And I hope that we can all identify in some way with some of the things that we're going to say. Okay. It says that it was, they were near to the cross. And if you think about it, they were able to hear the words of Jesus, weren't they? When he spoke to them, they, they heard him. So... You imagine, if they were able to hear Jesus, they were certainly able to see very, very clearly his suffering. Very clear, wouldn't it? If you can hear somebody speak to you, you can see them. You know, especially if they're dying in agony on a cross and can hardly breathe. And yet they hear him. And so, these few loyal, loving, brave followers... They're so close. And I just think at this time how the words spoken to Mary maybe about 33 years before when Jesus was eight days old, the Jewish custom uh, according to the law of Moses, the law of God given through Moses was that a, a child was eight days old, he would be circumcised, he was the firstborn so there would be a redemption offering for him, there would be a, a sacrifice a very interesting side note is that it says they offered a young pigeon, which means they were poor. God put his son in a poor family. <laughs> How unusual. And yet when she took him, the old man of God, Simeon, they prophesied to, to Mary and he said, that this one is destined for the rising and falling of many in Israel and that the hearts and thoughts of people will be brought to light, and a sword will pierce your own soul also. And in Luke, it tell, in chapter 2, it tells us that she stored these things up in her heart. And I wonder, did those words come back to her in that moment when she was standing looking on the son that she would raise? She'd born him through a miraculous con conception. Incredible. She'd raised him. She'd nursed him on her breast. She'd helped him to learn to take his first steps. 
you'd seen him grow and become a man, so you'd misunderstood him. The Bible tells us that. And yet he was so remarkable, a miracle worker, a healer, a deliverer, a teacher, a righteous man, a guiltless man. And now he's hanging before her on a cross, suffering, hopeless, it seems, naked, wounded. In Isaiah 52, before the great chapter in Isaiah 53, which describes the, the suffering of the Messiah, it says that he was marred more than any man. Another quick side note that I've heard it said, why didn't they recognize Jesus after he was risen? And there could be different conjectures about that. Maybe it was the fact that he was in a resurrected body and he could conceal who he was. Or maybe it was that he was so marred, whipped, beaten, beard pulled out, that he's scarred. Perhaps they couldn't recognize him. Just a thought, isn't it? It doesn't mean that that's correct, but he certainly was in agony. And not only was he suffering the physical torture of the cross, which is one of the worst of all inventions for that sort of terrible thing, the the death of, of, of scumbags, basically, is what it was. But he was bearing our sins upon his shoulder. That was much more. I think Jesus could have took the cross. I think he was the greatest man that ever lived. Yeah, it would have been agonizing, and especially because he gave himself willingly, like a lamb. He didn't open up his mouth, but he, he let himself be led to that place of slaughter because he knew that he was doing the will of the Father. And yet, he cries out, doesn't he, in one of our sayings that we'll be looking at, Father, why have you forsaken me? And upon him is put the filth and sin and horror that you and I freely act out every day, let's be honest. <laughs> and, and, and much worse things, I suppose, that go on in the world. Many things we don't even want to consider. But he was heaped with all of this. And surely that must have shown in his countenance the terrible agony. And she washes on. His earthly mother. How that sword must have soaked deep in those moments. I want us to get a picture of it, not just to think, Jesus said this, and then they said that, and but actually, what's what's the context? What's going on? You can't fully understand. I could say to someone, I love you, but those words could be, I love you, or they could be, I love you. You see, so there's, there's, we've got to be careful that we don't just skim over the Bible. How is it said? What's happening? What are they feeling? Why did he say it? What did it mean to them? All these things are important, I believe, as we look into the Scripture and look into these sayings. And it's a somber place to come, isn't it, the cross? It's not a happy, smiley so far this morning. Sorry, everyone's looking a little bit like, whoa, wow, this is heavy. (laughs) It is heavy. And but for the grace of God, we would be the ones, we would be punished for our own sins. We know the end of the story, so remember that as we go through. (laughs) God knows the end from the beginning, and he declares all things before they come to pass. And he says, you will have tribulation, but be of good courage, I have overcome the world. 
even before he goes to the cross. He encourages his loved ones, doesn't he? And yet in the midst of this suffering, totally forgetting my uh, my PowerPoint behind me, I'm sorry about that. In the midst of his suffering, he doesn't forget this blessed woman, this precious Jewish woman who as a girl, whose great father in heaven had chosen to bear and raise his only begotten son. This precious Jewess. Think of it, Jesus, he is the creator who holds the world in his hands. And yet, he condescended for a short time to be held in hers. Say that again. He, the creator God, holds the world in his hands. Yet, he condescends to be held in hers. It's one of the greatest miracles of the incarnation, isn't it? That Jesus being very God of very God, was nursed on the breast of a young Jewish poor woman who would have been ridiculed. She's got pregnant outside of marriage, not like our society today, which seems to celebrate these things. No. She was really despised. You'll, if you read and study through his life, they, they say, we know who our father is, but you don't know who yours is. Scandal. Our God is not sometimes who we think he is or what we imagine him to be. We need to delve in and get to know him. He's the God of humility. He allowed himself. He became a man. Humbled himself. Become a servant. All the way to the place of a terrible cross. It's easy to overlook things, I think, and that's why I really want to paint the picture. We think of the setting that Jesus, as we've considered already, is dying that terrible death and suffering not only the physical torture, but much, much more the judgment of God against sin is laid on him for all of Adam's race, but me and you. And Mary and John, they're in the full view of this. They can hear his words so they can see his suffering. They must have been distraught. I'm sure they were weeping. Maybe John was trying to hold it together a bit as men sometimes do for the sake of the women. I'd probably cry more than Becca. She's probably holding it together, don't you, a bit? <laughs> Just been looking at me. I'm like trying to keep my face straight. She's crying. Surely suffering. They must have been hopeless. They didn't understand that they? Jesus had been telling them, I am going to be betrayed. I'm going to be handed over. I'm going to be put to death, but I will rise again. But they didn't understand. And so all the hope that they had that this one, just not long before, he marched in to Jerusalem with him and he's on, on a donkey's colt and, and the people are singing and everything's wonderful. They think he's going to go off to Pilate's palace and take over, but he turns to the temple and starts telling them they're all doing it wrong and chasing them out. <laughs> it doesn't do what they expect him to do, and yet they, they know there's something special about this man, and yet here he is dying. The death of a, a, of a lowly criminal. And there's just no hope. He can hardly breathe. And yet the one who they seem to be pitying 
cares for them. And he pities them. And he looks on them in love. Woman, he is your son. Consider this, not just, he's not just saying some statements. He's thinking about her. She, we never hear of Joseph in, in, in Jesus' adult life. We, we believe he must have been dead, passed away, very possibly. He's not seen in, to be on the scene. And he mustn't be because John takes her into his home. So Joseph wouldn't, she wouldn't have had to do that. So Joseph's not around. The oldest son is about to die on the cross. And Jesus, of course, knows he can't stay. He has to go. He's tried to tell them this. And yet he thinks about her. She took a care of him and, and he wants to take care of her. He has no possessions. He has no inheritance. The soldiers at the foot of the cross gamble for the few things he owns. What does he have to leave to her? The soldiers have taken even his garments. He entrusts John with this precious, precious woman who said, be it unto me as the Lord has said. How can these things be? And yet, I will believe the word of an angel. Glory to God. And to John, here is your mother. He seemed to have a special relationship with Jesus. He always calls himself the one who Jesus loved. He, he was the one who leaned close to Jesus' breast at the meal and asked him, who is going to betray you, Lord? He, he, he was one of the three who always seemed to be close, like we didn't want to leave Jesus. So he goes up the mountain and he's transfigured. And who's there? It's Peter and James and John. And when all these most intimate things seem to happen, he goes in and he raises the girl from the dead. Peter, James, and John. John always seemed to want to be near Jesus. He had this special relationship. And his Jesus is going to go. And I love that he's suffering. He's dying. He's bearing the weight of the world. He can't hardly breathe. And yet he raises himself up in agony to say, Mother, here's your son. Here's my replacement. Here's someone to love cherish and who's going to cherish you son here's your mother she will be there for you my mind flashes back for a moment to Isaac and Abraham and Isaac had lost his mother and the servant is sent out and comes back with a wonderful prayer that he prays and a long story look into it in, in Genesis but he comes back and it says Isaac was consoled for the loss of his mother God brought him a wife, brought him a woman, someone to, to be there to cherish and to, to help him and care for him. God's into family, isn't he? That's why I called it family at the cross. He cares if we're bereaved, if we're lonely, if we're in need. I love this psalm. And in Psalm 68, verse 5, it says, A father to the fatherless. A defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing. But the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. Our God, our wonderful Father, even if, when he's suffering and dying, he doesn't forget his role as our shepherd. He cares for his flock. 
And it says that from that day forward, John took her into his home. They'd shared in a grief so deep there at that cross, hadn't they? Watching the one they loved become lost to them, it seemed. Hope was gone. And that love for Jesus, I'm sure, would have been a bond of love that, that grew between them. It must have been. As John took her and cared for her, and she, I'm sure, cared for him. But praise the Lord, they didn't spend their future friendship and relationship grieving for one that they lost. Sitting in sadness and grief, remembering the one now gone. But no, because he rose just as he said. He rose up from the grave and he brought the salvation that he declared. And it says that on the great day of Pentecost, that Mary was there with John in the upper room. When the Holy Spirit came as a rushing wind and tongues of flame lit upon their heads and they were filled with God and with the knowledge of all that he had accomplished and what it was really all about. They saw him raised, but now they were filled with his Holy Spirit. Do you think that that home was a home of grief and sadness? Do you think that? No, it was a home of joy. And a home where I'm sure people would have come to learn and to hear about Jesus from the woman who God had allowed to raise and nurture and love and care for his son, his childhood, how he grew up, how remarkable he was, the things he did. I'm sure there were jokes and anecdotes. There were instructions and teachings that Mary could have shared. And John, the one who would walk with him so closely, who records the most intimate of Jesus' teachings. Chapter 14, 15, 16, 17 of John. Wow, what would we do without those as Christians? I've probably spent more time there than anywhere else in the New Testament. Just Jesus' words. Hard to understand, but now they are filled with the Spirit. And all the things, as Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, He'll remind you of all the things that I've said to you. And I'm sure that there wasn't just that moment when they needed that kindness of the Lord so that they were going to lose Him. But actually, that home was going to be like one, wow. <laughs> Mary was able to teach. John was able to teach. I'm sure that that was an amazing house. I would have wanted to visit it if I was in Jerusalem and born again in those days. They're filled with the Holy Spirit now. They know that Jesus is God's own Messiah. They understand now that what that means, the pouring over the ancient scriptures and remembering all the things that he'd said to them. He's the son of the living God. What was, must Mary have felt like? Mind blown. <laughs> blown. Some sectors of so-called Christianity have turned this into something it's not. Mary was beautiful and wonderful and is to be honored. Today is World uh, Women's Day, isn't it? It's funny that this preacher's landed on that day. Not by any intention, I don't believe, but God had a sense of humor. But she was precious and she is to be honored and remembered. And she must have just been like, wow, <laughs> when she realized. Can you think, can you put yourself there? That she's like, she's born again and she's like, oh my word. 
I didn't realize. I was just talking about care, maybe she thought. <laughs> he was very God, of very God. Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And I'm sure that they were so blessed on that day. And from then on. So, to conclude, I just want to say that I believe that these sayings of Jesus on the cross were one of consolation, the great shepherd caring for those that were under his care. As David of old, when he went out on the battlefield, he left his sheep in the care of another. He didn't just go off. And he had a heart after God, didn't he? Jesus was not going to just leave these abandoned. And even if it was just for 50 days <laughs> until the Holy Spirit came in these two in particular. So if you need care today, if you have any anxiety or trouble today, just Jesus loves you. He loves you so much. And if you will get near to that cross, by faith, press in towards it. As Fanny Crosby said in one of my favorite hymns, Jesus, keep me near the cross. There, a precious fountain. Free to all, a healing stream flows from Calvary's mountain. In the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever. Till my raptured soul shall sing of him beyond the river. Hallelujah. Let's pray as we close. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the lover of our souls. That you are the God who humbled himself to be nursed in the arms of a woman. You who hold the world in your hands was held in the hands of a little Jewish girl. Who are you, Lord? Help us to know more today, not just in our heads to hear these words and read these things, but by your Spirit who you have given, Lord. Make these things real in our lives, we pray. Lord, we bless you. We thank you. And we pray that we will also experience a Pentecost again, a revival of your Holy Spirit in our lives. In King's Church, Lord, pour out your Spirit so that we might know you and make you known and walk in a way that pleases you and be like you, Jesus, loving, caring, considering, suffering, that, and yet looking to others as your word says. We bless you, Lord, in Jesus' name.